Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Nintendo Fanboys, and I'm here with Steven. It's been a little while since the two of us have gotten together to do a Fanboys, and well, it's good to be back. I'll try my best to be peppy and excitable and basically the regular Jared, but no promises because I just got back from Austin, Texas, and uh, for anyone that's listening who happens to be from Austin, I just want to say very quickly, you guys have a beautiful city. I've been to a lot of different places in the States, and there's nothing quite like it. It's really, really unique. Steven, you'd actually really like Austin. You basically go from, like, skyscrapers and, like, your typical, like, downtown, quote-unquote, sort of, like, cityscape, and within, like, uh, maybe a 20-minute walk, you're in what looks like the deep country, where you have, like, beautiful lakes and rivers and things like that. It's really, it's really something, and uh, Serena came with me. We had a really, really good time down there, just got back, so I'm a little bit tired, and um and yeah so i was kind of worried that we weren't going to have a chance to do this podcast and steven actually went ahead and soloed one but uh when i when i you know came back we were like oh okay well let's let's go ahead and uh and do a podcast because we actually have a lot to talk about today and some really good really surprising stuff i think for a lot of our listeners out there i think you're going to be surprised by some of the things that we're going to talk about or at least how passionately we're going to talk about some of these things so why don't you go ahead and take it away this is funny it's almost a minute 30 into the podcast and you finally give me a chance to speak are you surprised are you really surprised (laughs) and you say you're worried that you're going to be too tired well, yeah, it wasn't a five-minute intro like normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, like I, I'm really excited because today we have a lot of stuff to talk about. And like you mentioned, you were off to Austin. I really, really like the pictures you sent me, by the way. The food there sounds awesome. It sounds right up my my alley. Oh, it's right up your alley, and it's right up everyone's alley. Uh I must have gained like at least half a pound or so. Um, <laughs> no, really, seriously, the food was fantastic because you're 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 so close to Mexico. You get like, well, it's called Tex-Mex for a reason, right? So you get like your classic, you know, Texas barbecues, like so, like a lot of steaks and things like that. It's cattle country. Uh, but you also get a lot of different Mexican dishes, and then you get a lot of different areas that do fusion. So they'll do, you know, just random things mixed with other things. Um, in particular, we went to a, a taco fusion place or a fusion taco place that was really unique. So you had things like uh, some some Korean, Vietnamese other types of, uh, you know, cuisine that were merged with Mexican. Very, very good stuff. We went to, I think it was called the Roasted Fork, was uh, Roaring Fork, that's it. Um, and that was an amazing steakhouse. Oh my God, if you were there, you would have died. I know you, you would have, you would have died. We started with mussels and then we had like a 16 ounce steak. You could get up to, I think it was 22, 24 ounce, uh, just mushrooms, asparagus. They had this wicked mac and cheese. Uh, we went to a Russian place one night. That was really, really good. We also went to a place called Moonshine, had some drinks there, and um, I had this uh, chicken fried steak that was just 
amazing, man. So yeah, the food, the food was just awesome. I, I don't know how everyone doesn't walk around there uh, weighing 800 pounds. Yeah, I, I would have, uh, I, I, I know myself, like if there's one default to have, and I have many is food. Like I can't control my portions and I usually eat until uh, I'm like my stomach hurts. <laughs> so I wouldn't have gained just half a pound by going there. I would have gained way more than that. And I found it so funny that you complain about gaining half a pound. <laughs> it was that was a joke, just so you know. I don't think I gained anything. But <laughs> whatever. It takes a lot for me to gain weight. And yeah. I love the way that you say if you have a default, that's really funny. Yeah, it's my French speaking. <laughs> I know, it's great. I love it. That's why I don't say anything. <laughs> but I know you, you really would have enjoyed the city. Um, just like me, you would have, you would have loved the food. Everyone is so damn polite that, um, I, I'm starting to question where Canadians get their, oh, you know, Canada, Canadians, they're so, uh, they're so polite. Serena and I were looking at each other and we're like, there is no one. And I mean no one back home that is anywhere near as polite as these people. Like just walking down the street, just about everyone you meet is good morning, good morning, how's it going? Even the homeless people were were chatting with us. They're like, oh, it's a beautiful day and like things like that. Sweet and I were like, what the hell is going on here? It was it was it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a really, really fun time. All right. Was, so, I don't know. Did you have anything else? No, no, no. I just was. It was. It was a. It was a really good time, and it's. I'm glad to be back. Uh, for everybody that's listening, you're probably you know expecting the the content to continue. So I just want to have a little quick disclaimer here. Uh, content's going to be a little slow for about two weeks. I want to say. Hopefully not in not three, but I'm going to try my hardest to just make sure that the content uh, gets back to normal within the next couple of weeks. But it should be understandable. I went on a vacation, so, I mean, I think I deserve a vacation every now and then. Well, you just had one. Exactly. So now i got to get back to work. <laughs> so the content's going to be a little slow because I couldn't – I didn't have time to uh, catch up. And while I was gone, obviously nothing was getting done because I'm the only person who does anything around here. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and that's the way it's going to be for a while. I was thinking uh, that episode I did – what do we do with that? Do we keep it as a lost treasure? And in a few thousand years, someone will find it in a vault somewhere? Or I don't know. Do we don't know. put it as a special lost episode on YouTube since you don't have any content coming? It it's should, up to you, it really. Be, it could go up as a special. We'll mention that it's not the official episode 32 anymore, but still, it could go up. Yeah, I, I could. I could do something like that. Um, it's entirely up to you. I know we were talking offline about Patreon and stuff like that. And it's something that I want to open up that discussion again. I know you have 50 million ideas. I'm not really so concerned about that. It's I'm more interested to see if people are interested in anything. I actually liked your idea of, you know, releasing content early or things like that where you could do some... Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be you, but whatever, that we could do some, some content, uh, you know, I don't know, like exclusive type of stuff. Nothing, nothing 
for our staples. So nothing for like the Saturn Day type stuff and and things like that. But I don't know. I just don't know if it, like how interested people really are. Because I've been doing some um, some analytics and I've been looking through different things and our size channel with around eight thousand subscribers. I'm rather shocked, but like some of some of the the Patreons, people are bringing in like five six hundred dollars a month, and I was like, well, wow, because like five five hundred bucks a month, six hundred bucks a month. Obviously, I don't plan on quitting my job, especially not for that, um, but. Like that's that's a good chunk of change. Like uh, that type of funding could get you equipment to help me out. The thing is, you have kids, so how realistic would it be for you to actually help me out? Yeah, I, I think it's not that unrealistic because not in the near future for sure. Because Sokai still is is only six months old, but. My oldest will be three soon, and like at that age, they become a lot more independent. They do like they sleep at night the whole nights, and now we're potty training him and whatnot. So, I imagine that eventually, like, I'll be able to help you out rather easily, especially not just because I can, but because I want to. Because, like I've told you, like I really talk like talking about video games even more than playing actual video games sometimes. And the only way I get to interact with people is through this channel and with the rare text that you send me. So, like, this is something that not only I could do, but I really want to do eventually. But i not rich. Like, I, I have a good job, but I need that money is also not only for me, but also for my fiancé and two kids and all that. So there's no way I could justify buying like an actual computer that would be good enough to be able to be of any use to you. So yeah, it's it's a possibility. I would I would tinker with this, see what the people think, because then again I don't want people to send us money for us to go out and buy like uh, restaurant stuff. I don't want this to be just a, an extra uh, extra money because this will never be our full-time jobs it's just that it could really really help out with content especially with you because like you do everything around here and i'd really like to contribute more so this is something that is worth thinking about and seeing what we could offer and maybe if people are interested because it would require a significant a significant investment i believe because we have like you say 8,000 uh, subscribers almost, but not all of them are active necessarily. So, like, when we do these podcasts, like, we always see the same people commenting and whatnot. And I, I know that your Saturn Day videos often get a lot more comments and whatnot, but it would be, it would be curious to see if any would be uh, willing to pledge, like, a dollar or five dollars a month to us. Like, how much would it actually take for us to get to that $300, $400 a month thing that honestly is a lot more than we'd ever need? No, precisely. And and this is why I've always been reluctant and I, I've, I've, I've even done videos on this. I've done vlogs uh, talking about that 
that very subject saying how like I love the job I have. I do. I love it. And I while I enjoy this, it's a it's it's different. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know if I if I can make that clear. This isn't something I don't know if I, I would say like I don't want to do this uh full time. I don't know if that because I, I love doing this too. I love interacting with everybody, but I don't know. It's like like I have two different Jareds. So I have the Jared that works in continuous improvement, and I love doing that. It's an amazing feeling walking into different organizations and, and different departments and helping make people's lives a little bit better. I mean, that's a that's a fantastic feeling. But at the same time, I also really enjoy doing this. And so a lot of these Patreons that people do, they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I want to do this full time. Well, for me, it's like not not really. It's it's not something that I would really want to do as my day job, um, like every day type of thing. But the funding certainly could help in terms of longevity of what we're doing. So you've mentioned a couple of things to me, and I don't know if we. Sh- I, I don't know if I want to mention it or not. It could be a secret uh, moving forward. But um, Saturn Day will come to an end, and you know that that's the inevitability of it and and not because I don't want to continue it but because we're nearing the end of the games that were released that fall within the parameters of what I wanted to cover I did not want to spend you know a year or two years covering some of the worst sports games imaginable like I that's why I purposely said Saturn Day will encompass all of the main releases on the Sega Saturn in North America, excluding your, you know, NHLs, NBAs and all this sort of stuff, because most of those games have aged so poorly that it it's just gonna be like the same review copy and paste it over and over and over again. And I, I was like, well that, that, there's no fun with that, you know? Um and we are getting close now to you know, that point where I'm going to have to start thinking about, well, okay, what comes next? And I don't own anything like I do with the Saturn. So it, there, there's nothing that I, I could follow this up with and say like, oh, well, I have, say, every single Dreamcast game ever released. So I can I can go ahead and do this. Or um, like the Wii. There's like 17,000 games released on the Wii. I well, Let's do like a Wii Day or something like that. That's just not possible without some kind of external um, investment. It's just not possible. Like we, I would not be able to do that because I can't afford to spend eighty dollars a week, for example, or whatever you know, forty dollars or fifty dollars or whatever it is, on different games and stuff that would be required in order to um, to tackle another system. And I think that's totally totally understandable. Um, but that's where Patreons and stuff like that can help. Because, for example, if you wanted to start a new series, we could say, well, okay, let's, let's take the first five months of whatever we get, uh, throw that into an account, and then that account you pull on and purchase the different equipment that will be necessary or things like that. I mean, right now, guys, we're just talking. Obviously, we want to hear what you have to say, but I'm trying to give you a, like my vision of where I see something like a Patreon. So once you use that money and you had set up what I have here where you have like a little workstation, then if the funding continues... Well, then that's where you could potentially look into series like that 
and say like, well, okay, we're going to use this funding to purchase those games for those future reviews or something like that. Yeah, for for now, this is all like talk in the yeah, air. It's hypothetical. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, we get a few comments, and you, you you mentioned that you get feedback from time to time. This is obviously a long ways to go, but I have a feeling one day we'll 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 try this on and see what it what it goes. If it fails, well, it fails. Yeah, and I mean, uh, like, let's be really honest. Just a, a handful of years ago. I never imagined that we would be nearing 10,000 YouTube subscribers. I, I did not imagine that that would happen. And yet here we are. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? All right. So I completely lost my train of thought here. Uh, Great. Well, I guess like we usually talk, uh, start with what we've been playing, but I, be, I believe we'll cover that a lot more late, uh, later. So... Let's get on some uh, some top selling games, shall we? Go for it. So I think you and Emma talked about this a while ago, and it's something that keeps uh, been mentioning in the media is that indie games are finding a home on the Switch, and they are outselling every other console. It seems like every game that gets released on the Switch. From an indie standpoint, sells a lot, uh, a lot better than the PS4 and the Xbox One. Even so far as, I believe it was Ocean Hard or was it Dragon, Dragon Boy, Monster, Monster Boy, whatever the. Yeah, it was Monster Boy. Monster, Monster Boy, Boy. I think yeah. that the developers said that the game had outsold all other platforms combined. Yep. Which is just crazy, especially if you, the Switch might be selling out. But the install base is still way uh, smaller than the Xbox One and PS4. I think in the United States, we're at just a bit over 2 million right now. That's right. And I'm curious, they say United States, but do they include Canada and whatnot yes. in there? Yes, yeah, 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 it's okay. North America. All right, so over 2 million units, and they're still outselling the competition. So that's huge. And indie developers are taking note, and right now it's... Uh, a gold rush. Is that the saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get, and just, to get I, their I games on the Switch. And I want to like, talk a bit about those games first, but first I want to also mention uh, third-party games because I will be curious to know if third-party games are also performing well on the Switch. So I have a few games here for you that I think will really uh, be influential to the future of the Switch as far as AAA third-party title goes, and then we'll go back to the eShop stuff. So I want to talk about a few games. First off is NBA 2K18. Uh, that game apparently is one of the closest ports uh, the Switch got that it is compared to the Xbox One and PS4 version. Obviously, it doesn't run as well, but apparently the developers said that they really pull, like, it's not a half-ass uh, job like another title I'm going to talk a bit in a while. So I'm going to be curious to see if NBA 2K18 performs well on the Switch. The other game is FIFA 18, which is really important because I believe that's the only game EA has brought to the Switch so far. And they got a bit hammered because FIFA 18 is unfortunately a watered-down version of FIFA, and I kind of find it a bit unfortunate that 
they're hoping that game sells well and they're going to base the sell success of that game on if they're going to support the platform in the future. So that's a bit unfortunate because we're not getting Madden. We're not getting NHL. And obviously MLB is all Sony. Well, not all Sony, but they are the only one doing a proper MLB game these days. So I don't think we're going to get the show anytime soon. Although we did get RBI Baseball, which is apparently a crappy game. So we're not getting many of the sports titles, and I believe these are important titles to get because I think many people are actually buying a Switch now and realizing that they can play all their favorite games on the go. So even though sometimes like uh, the sports game you buy every year might not be the best version on the Switch, having the opportunity to play it everywhere might be an advantage that makes you consider buying that version instead. So I think it's important to know how these two titles uh, sell, and I'm curious to to see what the numbers are. I don't think they were released yet, but I, I can't wait to see them. And finally, I want to m- mention Skyrim and Doom, because those, especially Doom, and then we're later we're going to get Wolfenstein 2, which I think will be like just a few months after the uh, PS4 and Xbox One version. So that's the first time we're getting a AAA title that nobody thought would could be made to the Switch. So if Doom and Skyrim really, really sell well, I think this could open up like uh, Capcom and EA and Activision and Ubisoft. Open up their eyes and say, okay, this Switch is not just a fluke anymore. It's just It's not the classic old Nintendo system where first-party titles sell well, and that's about it. Because if you remember, like, this wasn't always the, ca- the case with the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo, like, third-party sold so well that Nintendo even considered, considered them competition for a while and even limited the number of times the games they could release, especially on the NES. I don't think they did that for the SNES, but anyway, so my point being is those titles, I'm really curious to see how they will sell. Okay, um, I was trying to interrupt you there for a second, then I decided, no, no, I'll just shut up. Uh, Switch sales currently are over 6 million worldwide. So it's doing very well. The platform's doing very, very well. Uh, obviously, nowhere near you know the install base of the Xbox One and the uh, PlayStation 4, but we'll get more into specific titles uh, later on with the eShop and why this is so very impressive. Um, but going with what you're saying, I think too, I think it's going to be very important that those uh, sports games sell and it's going to be curious to see how they sell because they have a lot of things going up against them. Um, and ironically enough, due to Nintendo being Nintendo. And what I mean by that is sports games today are played mainly online a lot of people buy them specifically for that reason and yes of course you have your your specific you know franchise modes and all this sort of stuff of course naturally but a lot of these games are heavily played online and why i say that the switch has you know a lot of things going against it in this regard is it's just not easy or it's not as easy to play these games online with the same feature set um, now, yes, it is easy to go ahead and just start a game, play online, but it's with voice chat in particular. I really think they need to address this now. Um, this whole app thing is, 
is just messed up. And I'm curious to see how these games sell. Because if these games sell very well, or or comparatively well, um, maybe Nintendo will wake up and say like, oh, okay, you know what? Uh, we need to we need an easier solution for. Um, for online uh, multiplayer. And I think something like that's going to need to happen. Like, I think these games have to sell well, though, in order for something like that to happen, because Nintendo will cater to the third parties. Believe me, if FIFA is, like, you know, the deciding game for EA, and it comes out and it sells, like, 550,000 units or something like that, that EA will take notice of that. They'll be like, okay, wow, that's not bad. You know what I mean? Considering the amount of users, that's not bad. And same thing with 2K and same thing with everyone else. There are a couple of games that I'm, I'm really, I've got my eye on. Um, you, you mentioned Skyrim, you mentioned Doom, um, but there's also LA Noir. Like, I'm really curious to see how that performs in relation to the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 version. And that one, I'm, um, I'm picking up for sure. So I'm picking up L.A. Noir. I'm picking up, uh, let me just open up my list here. Uh, Skyrim is the other one that I'm certainly going to be picking up. Because why? Well, because, um, you nailed it when you said you can take these games on the go. And having just gone to the airport and just flown, and I was playing, well, I finished off Golf Story while I was on the plane. It's a really unique experience. And it's the first time I've ever experienced something like this before. And yes, of course, Golf Story is not not the, the best example to give of, uh, say, like a console experience on the go. However, that wasn't the only game I played. So I went through, I played a little Project Octopath, I played uh, some Mario Kart and, and other games like that, and it was really an interesting experience to experience those games on the airplane, you know, like 30,000 you know, feet in the, the air. And I think you really nailed it that I think more and more people are are realizing this, that when you buy the Switch version of a game, even if it has a couple of less features, so like Doom, Doom's going to be missing a couple of features here and there. And okay, yeah, that's unfortunate, but you essentially get two different versions of the game because the platform allows you to play on the go and it allows you to play on the TV. And I think more and more and more people are going to be um, surprised by this because I know I was. Uh, I played a little little bit of Breath of the Wild while I was up in the sky, and I was just taken aback. You know, I was like, "Wow, this is this is very very impressive." So I have a feeling that come next year, you're going to see an explosion of third-party releases. I think Skyrim, L.A. Noir, and Doom, those three in particular, are going to sell very well on the Switch. I'm not sure about the uh, the sports games, but I'm hoping they do well too, for the exact same reason. I think it's it's going to be really interesting, especially with sports games, if you can do local multiplayer from one tablet... That is awesome because I could have just, you know, handed one of the Joy-Con to someone else or or another controller and they could go ahead and play. And that that could be that could prove very, very interesting. Yep, that that is available in FIFA 18, by the way. So, 
So there you go. All right, so that's a good discussion. I want to go into the top 10 eShop games. And before you cut me off, I have a few things to say. But first, I'm going to list the top 10 games. So the number one game is Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley has been number one since its release date. Number two is Golf Story. Golf Story, I've been checking these. Uh, I really find this interesting that Nintendo has the top 10 uh, selling games on the eShop because they do this with the 2DS, but in the 2DS they just mention downloads. So it's basically all demos and whatnot. But with the Switch, it's actual, it's actually games sold. So number two is Golf Story. And in, I've been checking this for like a week and a half and Golf Story has always been number two. At number three, we have The Flame in the Flood, another game that was recently released and the developers uh, went to Twitter and said that their sales have been, their sales for the month, their forecast has been eclipsed in the first day. And it was number eight when I last checked, like I believe two days ago, and now it's number three. Number four is Sonic Mania. Uh, Number five is Overcooked Special Edition. Number six is Minecraft, Nintendo Switch Edition. Number seven is Steam World Day 2. A game I'm really curious to see, and I think I'm going to give that one a download after, eventually, because it seems awesome. Number eight is Picross S. Number nine is Fire Emblem Warriors. And number ten is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So how many Nintendo games do you see in there? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. So how many did you see? Did you? Uh, I wasn't paying any attention. I saw that you said uh, uh, Fire Emblem was. I think that's it. No. And Mario Kart and Picross. So there's only okay, three Picross, okay. Nintendo games in the top ten, and they're all eight, nine, and ten. And the funny thing is, Fire Emblem Warriors just cracked cracked the top ten, and Mario Kart Eight Deluxe was eleven and twelve for like the past few days, and now it just. Past uh, it just was put back into the top ten eShop, so it was it kind of d- diminished my point because I wanted to <laughs> like if you would have done that yesterday, there would have only been one. But even Picross, like I don't think you even knew it was from Nintendo, right? No, I didn't. I didn't. So there you go. Uh, I'm curious though. I don't know. It, there's not many retail games in here, so I'm, either this tells me that the retail versions of the games. Are, most people are still uh, purchasing, purchasing, purchasing them physical, so that's why they're. Because I think Fire Emblem Warriors, if if you would match like the physical and digital sales, would probably outsell most of these games. But this is still something really interesting, because, like 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 I said, like these are all uh, indies, and even. A Microsoft game is outselling Nintendo games on the eShop right now with Minecraft on number six. So this, I really love these uh, these numbers. Well, numbers we don't get actual numbers, but th- these rankings and I keep checking th- checking them and it's been really pleasant to see Stardew Valley and especially Golf Story performing so well. These are basically well Stardew Valley. Everyone since the Switch was announced was waiting for this. But Golf Story came out of nowhere, was announced like two months ago, and it's performing so well. What do you think of these games? And what about Steam World Dig 2? Did you ever try that that series? No, I have not. I've not tried that. Um, I will say this I, I don't know how these games are performing uh, overall. The rankings I find fascinating, but like you mentioned, I'm not sure. Sales wise, I wish I wish we had some sort of um, 
sort of like um, like a calibration or something like that that we could we could get an idea, you know, some sort of focal point to say like, okay, well, we know that Fire Emblem Warriors, for example, or like Mario Kart, we know that Mario Kart sold three million and the digital sales represented uh, 42%. And then you could, you could factor that in to get an idea of how these games are actually selling. And the reason, the only reason why I mention this is because Breath of the Wild is still in the top 10 physical selling games and it's been in the top 15 ever since it was released and yet it's not in the top 10 digital downloads on the eShop you know what I mean like so that game that game is selling a lot on physical it's basically selling as much as the switch Uh, so it's like every time the switch sells out if you look at the numbers, well, it's it's comparative to what Breath of the Wild is actually selling in terms of physical uh, copies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Just a side note, though, there's also uh, a Wii U version, so we can imagine that the Wii U version is probably selling, I'd say, about five five to ten percent of those numbers. Yeah, sure, but I mean, like, even that, if we remove the Wii. U version completely, I'm fairly confident that it would still keep it, you know, within the top 15 retail uh, games. So my point just being that we have no idea how these games are actually selling. Uh, but what we do know is that people are happy. People are very, very happy in terms of the developers. Number 11, which you didn't mention, was Axiom Verge, right? Yep. Okay, now and that I apologize one... for the background noises. My kids seem to be giving us a bit of a hard time right now. Oh, that's okay. It's uh, the more the merrier. The more <laughs> Lacroix we have, the better it is. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I found that very interesting because shortly after the game was released, the I forget his name, something Hap, I think it is, Tom Hap or something like that. Anyways, his name could be Virgil Samsonite for all I know. Um, he had mentioned on Twitter that he was really shocked by how well the Switch version was performing. And the same thing with, um, uh, what's it called? Retro City Rampage, I think. I think that's what it's called. Same thing. The, the creator of that game said that he was blown away by how well the Switch version was doing. So with those two games as sort of like a basis, I, I'm going to go on a whim here and say that I think these games are selling very well. I think they're actually selling super well. And the fact that like Mario Kart is where it is, uh, what was it? It was number, number eight? Number 10. Number 10, okay. So it was Picross was uh, eight? Number eight, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm fairly confident that like Mario Kart is is over the like 20,000 type of thing, you know, or like 10,000. And if that's the case, then it really makes you wonder how Stardew Valley and how um, uh, Golf Story are performing. And it really makes me wonder if a game like Cuphead, which has now sold over a million copies on Steam and Xbox One or Xbox Live or whatever you want to call it, I really wonder how, (laughs) like how much more a game like that would sell on the Switch. And I really am curious with Golf Story and Stardew Valley. Yeah, I'm and really, it's really also curious. Just 
Sorry to interrupt, but Golf no, no, Story is the only exclusive in there besides a Nintendo game. So even if they bring like, there's been huge rumors of Crash Bandicoot, the Insane Trilogy, coming into the Switch later. So even if that and Cuphead come way later, it's it seems that people don't care and still buy games that are either old or not exclusive. Because Stardew Valley is a 2016 game, and it's number one on the Switch, and it looks like it will stay there for a while. So no, people exactly. are buying this up. This is awesome news for Switch fans, because you, this means that indie will bring their games, indies will bring their games to the Switch no matter what now, and they are kind of in a hurry right now, because the people that were sleeping on the Switch are reali- realizing that it, people are actually buying games, not just Nintendo games. Yeah, exactly, and I think Monster uh, Monster Boy was a really good sort of clue of what was going on, because when that game was released, and, and it was announced that it had actually outsold all the other versions of the game combined, that's when indies really should have started taking notice and saying, well, wait a second here, uh, what's going on? And and I, I'm I'm really curious... To hear, and I'm hoping we do hear a little bit about Golf Story in particular, only because it is an exclusive. And I would really like to to find out, like, did this thing break three hundred thousand? Did it break half a million, or did it break like two thousand? You know what I mean? I'm really, really curious. So I hope I'm following. Uh, you you told me to follow them on Twitter, and that's exactly what I'm doing. And I'm hoping that we get uh, at least some hints as to how well the game's performing. Yeah, so so do I. Like I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year that game has sold more than a million copies. It seems like everybody's buying that game, and for well, good reason. We're going to talk about it later. So anyway, I think that that's a good uh, subject. And just before we talk about the uh, golf story and Stardew Valley, I want to ask you a question real fast, and that's because. I don't know if you've, you've been out of it and you've, if you've uh, listened or watched podcasts or went on video game websites, but the topic right now is microtransactions and loot crates. And my question of that is that most big companies right now are concentrating on multiplayer games because of that, because of the fact that they can uh, try to sell you extra stuff. Uh, in order for you to be uh, competitive or have uh, some, uh, what, do you, what did they call that, Co- cosmic cosmetics to show off yeah. during yeah. online games. Do you think Nintendo will ever stop making single-player games because of that trend? No. Um, and my, my simple reason is you and I cannot go on Switch right now and voice chat without downloading an app on a phone and having 50 million wires and stuff like that. Simple as that. Nintendo does what Nintendo wants. It never follows trends. Online has been a trend for over a decade, and there are still games that Nintendo will release that are not online enabled. And so, no, I, I don't think so. I think Nintendo will always be Nintendo. They will never follow what other people do. They will always do their own thing, and that's that. You know, I, I agree with you. I think this is a no-brainer, but I want to play devil's advocate a bit here. Because how much do you think The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sold? Like, uh... let's say it sold, like, 
8 million or 9 million. And let's say its lifetime sales will be 12, 13, 14, 15 million maybe. How much did Ocarina of Time sold? Can you Google that quickly? Yeah, and I have and something I'm going, I'm going towards. I don't think uh, Breath of the Wild is at 8 million when there's only 6 million switches, but yeah, man, <laughs> you never there's know. There's Wii U sales. Yeah, but even then, Switch I don't think... sales are pretty much one-to-one, so 6 plus 2. Yeah, I doubt it. Let's see. All right. You know what did sell really well while I'm looking this up? Uh, Rabbids on the yeah. Switch. It's like everything on the Switch <laughs> sells well. All right. Just give me two seconds. Uh, why is this acting up? All right. The Legend of Zelda. Let's start with that. Okay, Ocarina of Time on the N64 was just under 8. Just under 8. Yeah, and Breath of the Wild is at uh, 4. Okay, so let's say Breath of the Wild will eventually probably reach uh, Ocarina of Time. My point I wanted to make to you is... How much compared to Ocarina of Time do you think Breath of the Wild costs to make? Well, significantly more. Like, would would you say that ten times more is not that far off? From well, the- that that I don't know about ten times because the problem with uh, Zelda on the N sixty four was that it was remade three times. Yeah, but don't so- forget that Breath of the Wild was probably in development for five six years. Yeah, but that's that's actually about the same because um, no, true, Zelda, it's about the same. But games are uh, cost way more to. Yeah, 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 now. exactly. So five the, the, plus, let's say they both took, took five years to make. It's five years yeah. now is way more than five years in nineteen ninety two that they started nineteen ninety one whatever it is. Yeah, I just I I wouldn't say ten. I would say maybe like three times something like that would be more realistic because. You also have to remember that Nintendo doesn't do what all the other guys yeah. do. So they're still using archaic technology. They're still using assets from like the GameCube era and stuff like that. Okay, but that's not super important. Okay, let's say three times. What, I, what I'm trying to say here, okay, my next point is how much did you pay for a current half time in 1998? I spent ninety nine ninety nine. How much did it. you spend on Breath of the Wild in twenty seventeen? A lot less. Exactly, and that doesn't even uh, account for inflation. Yep. So what I'm saying is that single player AAA games like Breath of the Wild now cost a lot more than they did back in the day, with mm-hmm. a lot less return. And Nintendo has been smart on this. They put DLC out with Zelda and um, because to account for that. Because yep. I think people are not realizing that you can't make as much money with games now, especially since they cost so much more. And the prices have not gone up for like 10 years. Even with uh, like the lower economy, they, they haven't gone up at all. So if developers want to make the same amount or more money than they did before they have to go with the loot box or uh, microtransaction or DLC way. And that's why I'm wondering eventually if Nintendo will be able to continue to afford to make AAA single-player games 
or if they will have to go more towards like the new Super Mario Brothers series or the 2D Zeldas or stuff like that to be able to make these games uh, profitable. Do you think it will ever go to that route or if Nintendo will like in 15 years still have a way to make a AAA game without microtransactions and stuff like that? Well, I think the whole industry is moving more and more towards that. And that, that's been a long, long time that this trend. I don't know. I, like you say, I haven't paid any attention to what's going on in the industry right now. So I don't know why this is actually a topic at all, considering the whole industry has been moving towards this ever since uh, the uh, App Store was created. Okay, well, so I'm going to give you just a quick uh, reboot. Basically, Star Wars Battlefront 2 has uh, loot boxes, I believe, that can actually improve your uh, your player. So people are saying it's pay-to-win as you can actually pay for better equipment to use in multiplayer matches. And Battlefront 2 is not out yet, so it's still not super sure that's the case, but there's also uh, loot boxes in Destiny 2 that have been quite controversial. And in Forza Motorsport 7 or 8, whatever it is, the, the latest one, there's also loot boxes that can affect your performance. So it's kind of the industry seems to be going in that direction right now. And also EA just can visceral, I believe, and they were making a Star Wars single player game. And some people are saying that they did that, although it's not confirmed because they want to go more into the direction of uh, games and services. They are not really, uh, interested in making single-player games where... And I'll give you a perfect example that that's perfect with me. I bought Pokemon Sun and Moon three times because I'm an idiot. Yes. And I gave basically the Pokemon company, I gave them 120 bucks. But I played those games for like 300 hours. I would have gladly paid for DLC or for microtransactions for that game, but Pokemon has never done that before. And eventually, I think it's not... It might not be uh, reliable for them because, like I said, I played that game for 300 hours, but they only got my money at the on launch day and then didn't see a single cent from me after. And I know people will say, well, that's always been the case. But can that be sustainable forever? No, I mean, look, the industry is going to always try and get the maximum amount of money off of people. They've been doing this forever. And I, I, again, it's one of these things where I don't know why why this is still an issue since, since the 1970s they have been doing this. Uh, what they used to do years ago was they would charge you the same amount of money, but they would cut the development time. So let's say a game took six months to make, and they charge you 60 bucks for it, and of course I'm making this all up, but just to give you an example. Uh, if they wanted to make more money off of that 60 bucks, they would make the next game in five months, and then four months, and then three months, and then two weeks, and so on and so forth. Great example is what uh, one of the games that led to the collapse of the video game industry with E.T. being made in, what was it, six weeks, three weeks, something like that? Yet... 
Atari still charge the same 60 bucks. And this sort of mentality, this sort of thing has existed forever. They will always try and get the maximum amount of money off of people. If that means loot boxes, if that means DLCs, if that means in-app purchases, if that means whatever, it's the way it is. And it's funny because people for years have been talking about the fact that you know, oh, well, like back in the NES days, that didn't happen. Yes, it did. You just didn't see it because it happened behind the scenes. And people are like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Final Fantasy VI uh, didn't have like a season pass. And that was a more full, rich experience. Yes. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. It was. But it was also made by 50 people, not 820. You know what I mean? Like it, it's. These guys, this is the way the industry works. It's based on a capitalist system and, um, and, and they want money. I mean, that's, that's their, their core objective. But going back with Nintendo, I don't think Nintendo will ever do it because Nintendo's Nintendo. I think it's that simple. I don't have any arguments. I don't have anything else. It's just, like I said, the very fact that they still release games that, um, that don't have what are considered modern day features speaks to what i'm saying but in terms of your electronic arts your ubisofts your your um what's the other big one there um, activision maybe sorry what activision no yeah activision thank you that was the one i was looking for those three companies absolutely because their primary mandate is to keep their shareholders happy and they don't care and nobody cares right like that's the other thing i think we we humanize these companies way too much like nintendo doesn't care guys sega doesn't care ea doesn't care they don't care about you they don't care about me they care about making money and yes of course the creators of these particular games don't want to release something that's broken no one's going to want to do that because they're going to want to have a sustainable franchise so let's say uh, call of duty 426 comes out and and is you know microtransactions up the yin yang these loot boxes or whatever they're called um they want to design the game in such a way that it can be fun for all because they realize that people can't all purchase these sorts of things, but they want you to. So if they can sort of straddle that line, like you're saying with Destiny 2 and stuff like that, I, I don't know much about these sorts of things, but just looking at it from a business perspective, it makes sense. If they can make it that there's a 5% chance that it will increase your your game, let's say. And in other words, make you a better um, killer or whatever it is in, in the particular game. They're going to do that because they know that 95% of the chance or time when you get that particular drop, it's just going to be a cosmetic thing or be a minor enhancement. But if there's five or 10 or maybe, you know, they're going to keep pushing this, maybe 25%, uh, maybe 50%. It's eventually going to get to the point where, you know, you're going to want to purchase these sorts of things. But right now, I think we're in the stage where the developers are still still messing around with this and trying to see like, okay, well, where's that sweet spot? Because we don't want to break the game, but we still want people to buy these particular um, these particular DLCs, let's call them. And of course, why do they want to do that? Because they want to make more money. And it's simple logic. And it's the same thing with Breath of the Wild. That's a perfect example uh, where you were saying about Ocarina of Time and how much it costs and all that jazz. Absolutely. There's only a finite 
amount of copies that people are going to purchase. One could argue that the eShop, you know, they make more money there. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's a higher, uh, you know, profit margin with the digital distribution. Sure there is, you know, but there's also... Yeah, I think costs- that will sol- solve a lot of issues when, if, I think it's when, but if we get to a digital-only future, let's say in 10 years, like, that will cut a lot of the costs off, of course. So that might be a solution. But I still think that... The DLC numbers for Breath of the Wild, the DLC numbers for Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, uh, these things will matter. And Nintendo will need to continue to incorporate this. I think there's a season pass in Fire Emblem Warriors also. Mm-hmm. Like, they yeah. will need every single Nintendo AAA games from now on, single player or not, will have DLC. And they have no choice. Because like I said before, games, uh, the cost it, it takes to make a game will only go up. And it seems like uh, the industry is not prepared to up the price of games anytime soon. So, mm-hmm. the, if my my math is terrible, but it seems that if if a game costs more money and it's the same price, it seems that you're not making as much money. So you have to figure out another way to do so. So I maybe you can add some final thoughts on there because I do want to move on with this. Yeah, sure. No, no. Okay, I'll just wrap up by just by saying uh, just uh, like a couple of things that um, just because a game is digitally distributed doesn't mean that all costs are cut because you do still have infrastructure that you've, you're going to have to maintain servers they don't run themselves there's there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff there that costs a lot of money and i also want to just quickly mention uh, with breath of the wild when i said about three times the cost i was of course not looking at inflation right so like i'm saying that today if ocarina of time was made and the dollar was where it was it would probably be around three times and maybe i'm way off you know what i mean like maybe i'm way off but i will not argue at all with the fact that I think moving forward, all games will have DLC. That I, that I 100% agree with. What I disagree with is that Nintendo will ever stop making like your classic single player experience. That I don't think they'll ever do, uh, just because Nintendo's Nintendo. But I absolutely agree that they will find or incorporate um, means of continually charging people to play their games. And maybe one day that will be the future. There won't be any DLC, but you won't actually own anything. So essentially you'll rent your games. And what I mean by that is the new Zelda comes out and it costs five, uh, not five dollars, but it costs like, uh, like a Netflix type thing, right? So Nintendo will charge you, uh, $20 a month and that's it forever. And you'll just play games like that. You'll never be able to buy a game. Who knows? That that's very possible. That one day we'll move into like a service type of thing where you'll just have to keep paying forever and ever and ever to uh, to play these games. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't. It will have to be a lot more than twenty dollars because that seems like uh, that's that seems like when people if you twenty dollars so sixty dollars every three months so that's what that's four games a year. Oh, no, but they could yeah. even do it per anyway, game, you know? I, I, that's besides the point. So that's an interesting conversation. I, I, I sure hope that we get some comments on that, people, if people are curious whether Nintendo will continue to make AAA games, and if they do, if they will uh, maybe change their approach a bit. And I also want to quickly mention that your uh, the thing about the servers being cost and whatnot... 
are true, but they're still servers for physical games. So I did not see the reasoning there. Be- maybe because you're main- you're ta- you're talking about the infrastructure for the eShop. Yeah, I'm saying basically if everything goes um, okay, uh, like the bandwidth will will be significantly higher than it is right now. All right, so let's talk golf story. We have uh, both completed it. We both put well over 20 hours uh, in it. I want us to go all all out on this game. Let's talk about it. Let's say what's good, what we like, what we didn't like, everything, and why people should rush out, run to the eShop, and buy the game. So I'll let you start, Jared. Oh, how dare you? I've been talking nonstop for like half an hour. Damn you. Okay, well, the game's all right. All right. That's it, guys. <laughs> okay. Um, so, why did I download this game? Because of me. Okay. Why did I download this game? No clue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying, I'm trying to think seriously. I like, told you uh, to download that game in the last Canadian Gamers, and minutes after you went and did that. Yeah, but why? I, I never listened to you. Because you, I told you to do that, and you off, you often listen to me though. Okay, and you wanted footage for the, the, the podcast. That's what it was. No, no, that's what it was. You had mentioned that's what it was. You had said that uh, you know you should go download. It looks cool, blah blah blah, and that we could use the footage for the last podcast. That's what it was, and that's what triggered the whole thing. Okay, so the reason why I wanted to just quickly mention that was because I really had very little to no expectations for this particular game. I I thought it was like oh okay you know like whatever it looked all right um, looks like a like a Super Nintendo type of well it looks better than that but it it looks like a two D golf game and I was like well I'm not really a huge golf fan but you know I've played some some of these weird mix mash type of games before that had like RPG elements and instead of it being like a full fledged RPG you do something else like uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But I have played in the past, uh, especially in like the Sega Master System era, there was some really weird games that did the sort of fusion of different genres. So with Golf Story, the thing that got me immediately was the first 10 minutes of the game. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about, if we're going to spoil anything or... Yeah, let's, let's to... spoil a little bit. Not too much, but okay, well, minor spoilers. The... The game begins with uh, you playing golf with your father, just like a little funny sort of flashback type of thing. And then it, it fast forwards like a number of years, either a decade or 20 years or something like that. Just that intro scene where you're playing golf with your father was enough for me, where I was like, there's something about this. Like the charm that the characters and the NPCs give off is brilliant. And I can't give you specific examples but just the way the the writing, um, like the text changes whenever there's like an awkward situation or a character is mad or whatever, like the font size will change. There's a little vibration and like it, it's it just oozes so much damn charm that I was I was bloody hooked. Instead of playing Dragon Quest Eleven and finishing it off, I actually went pretty much straight and would play Golf Story every single chance I had. And the gameplay is great, absolutely great. I, I again, I don't want to go on and on yeah, and on. I, mean, and on. I just want to mention that I typically don't like golf games, but this one is amazing because they keep keep it simple. 
Like it's, I like when golf games, it's press A once, then again at the top, and then as close as possible to the middle. I, they've used that system for many golf games, but I think sometimes they overcomplicate things. That's what I want on a golf game. Three mm-hmm. button presses. And then of course, there's other things like backspin and frontspin. And backspin and frontspin, like I noticed that like a few hours in by pressing start and checking the controls, I, I don't, think they actually tell you about that, right? Like, they mm-hmm. tell you that you can put some English on the ball, but the backspin and frontspin thing, do they actually tell you in-game? I don't recall. Maybe, but I, I don't recall. Anyway, so there's little things like that. Like, I really like... The, the golfing is solid. Like, I really enjoy that because they kept it simple. So that's just what I wanted to quickly mention before... Uh, Well, you say simple. What I like is that they layered it. And that's what I really, really like. So like at the beginning, when you're learning with your father, you're learning how to press the three buttons. That's basically it. But then slowly but surely, they start to introduce this concept of why you have different clubs. What does it mean to like putt the ball and and what the hell is a a bogey and what, what is an eagle and what does it mean to be on par? And it's so funny that as someone that really isn't a golf fan, this game taught me more about golf than any other uh, video game about golf that I ever played before and was by far one of the most enjoyable games of the year. Has a fantastic storyline. The gameplay is absolutely awesome. And what's cool is that you can make the game really challenging if you want to. Um, not, not in terms of difficulty settings or anything like that, but once you start to purchase additional clubs, if you decide that you don't want to use some of those clubs, you can really make this challenging. And I really like that. So as I was getting better at the game, I started to mess around with doing just that. So I would use the most (laughs) random clubs and see if I could finish a course on par. And it was funny because like I'm sitting on the airplane playing this and I'm like, I shouldn't be having this much fun. You know, like this, this is a golf game. What the hell is going on? And people, people really don't get it, but you need to play this because this year alone, okay, there has been some amazing games released. We've had The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. We had Horizon Zero Dawn. Cave Story Plus was released, a great, I really enjoyed, Blaster Master Zero, a Jared to the Past, that was by far the best one, and and this game is is way up there, like, for me anyway, this is, this is a solid contender for a game of the year, if for no other reason than it's such a, a joy to play, and the fact that it really came out of nowhere. I did not expect this to be as good as it is. Yeah, I think... Uh, people that are hesitating on this game because they don't like golf should not think about this as a golf game, but rather as a strategy RPG. Because instead of a combat system, you're golfing, sure, but it's more like a strategic golfing game because they give you these goofy scenarios where there's basically birds or uh, badgers that can steal your balls. <laughs> there's sometimes... I, there's one of my favorite levels is by far the old, the, the level where it's all old people and they play golf a certain way where it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like they, they say it's better to have a safe six 
than a risky four, which basically means they'd rather have a bogey than a, a birdie. <laughs> it makes no logical sense whatsoever, but that's how they, they live their life, and that's how they play the game. It's so funny. I just adore the levels in this game because there's basically, what, six different worlds or five different worlds and stuff like that, and the mm-hmm. characters are so well-written. Like, there's this guy called, what, Max Pro or Max something? Yeah, yeah. And he's Max, just yeah. an asshole to you for no reason. <laughs> yeah, no exactly. reason at all. Even at the beginning of the game, when you tr- you're trying to get a coach, and the coach sees you play, and he tells you that you're horrible at the game, and then his students will do, like, the worst possible shot ever, and he, and he will tell them, go swing. Like, it's hilarious <laughs> what's happening here. And just... I don't want to spoil too much, but the writing is fantastic. Like, I was laughing, and just those old folks, man, I don't know what's so charming about them, but that was by far my favorite world. Like, I I love the rules they added that you had to play with these old golf clubs that were terrible. Did you try the last course with those golf clubs? No, I did no. not. And- well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But, yeah, no, and... So, I mean, I can, I can go on and on and on about all the good stuff, right? Uh, there were a few things that if, if, and hopefully they will, if they do make a follow up to this, and like I said, I hope they do, um, there was a couple of things that I, I, I would add. I would add a little variation in terms of some of the, uh, the side content because I loved some of the side content like there's a mini putt range in there which is still golf uh then you have other stuff where you have to like defeat some skeletons and you have to hit them in the head with um like with a with a special type of golf ball and then there's another time you have to like get an eye in a, in skeletons yeah. and like all this weird random stuff and i loved all of that yeah like for me i love like uh the drone golf Mm-hmm. But that was only one quest in the entire game, and there's yeah. no more drone golf after. <laughs> no, exactly. And so, like that, that I would add. I would just add a little bit more variation to some of the side quests because most of the side quests are simply to hit the ball in a in a certain range or to get like a hole in one. Well, not a hole in one, but like a to, just to get the ball in a specific place. And that's the overwhelming majority of the side quests are to do that. So that that's one thing that I would personally, uh, I would hope that they would add. Because did you like the um, the werewolf scenario? Yeah, the murder mystery. Yeah, that yeah. was an awesome part of the game. Yeah, I I loved that, and I was like, ah oh, man, I could have used like another another something like this maybe not like obviously the exact same thing but another like scenario based uh sort of like i don't want to say mini game but side quest or whatever it's it was part of the story but that was really good and that helped break up sort of the the it's not monotonous but just like doing some of the similar um gameplay like to break up some of the the gameplay so that's one thing and the only other thing was uh, something that steven and i had mentioned uh, quite a lot uh, was about adding in like uh, the ability to stop a play and reset early on, and that might actually be coming. I don't know. On Twitter, the um, the developer whose name escapes me right now. Sidebar Games. Yeah, they, they, they mentioned that they have a, they've submitted a patch to Nintendo a while back, and they're still waiting for approval. But I think the main uh, ish, the main 
function of that patch is to fix some bugs. I don't yeah, think they're actually... Yeah. Because what Jared is saying is that sometimes there are challenges that can take up to five minutes to complete, and you, you might know right at the beginning that you're going to fail it, but in order to restart it, you, you need to keep hitting the ball. Let's say you have 20 shots. You need to keep those hitting those shots. You can't press start and say restart, which is an unfortunate uh, simple fix that I wish they would add. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that That's it. I have nothing else uh, at all negative to say. Yeah, for me, Everything else is perfect. One little thing I would like to add in from negative, well, not, it's not that negative, it's just as far as post-game content is, uh, I've beaten the game and I think I did every single quest there is and I have no way to know and there's just not really anything else to do after. Like, have you found anything to do? Because no. I've I've walked around and... There's no new quests appearing, and characters are not really saying anything new. So besides that, all you can do is go into quick quick mode where you can pl- replay uh, the golf courses, and I've been doing that a lot, and it's fun, but it's unfortunate because they don't save your scores, so there's not really any point to do so. Like, yeah, I'd pretty, love to try exactly. some multiplayer, but it's only local multiplayer, so I don't know. There's, it, I, I think, like, I would buy DLC for this in a second. Well, so would I. So would I. But yeah, no, that that that's it. I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay with no post-game content sort of thing. But I really do hope that they make another one because this was just... Like, we don't give awards for, like, you know, the biggest surprise of the year. But if I did give an award for that, this would certainly get it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I did not expect this at all. Yeah, me neither because... Like I said, I, I I never play golf games, and like I was surprised that you were enjoying this so much because I you play sports games even less than I do. So, yeah, that's a really like you said, like that would be our surprise of the year. By and sure. that's so, and that's saying something though because this year, like I said, like there there's been some really excellent games and and like I I really want to praise this this particular title because. Like guys, if you own a Switch and and you like how we're hyping this up, really give it a give it a shot. It's a really cheap game, and and it really deserves to be purchased. Oh yes, oh yes, it does. And it, it's like, what is, is it? Is it twenty bucks? Yeah, and it's yeah. a twenty hour adventure. Like that's that's a lot of lot of bang for your buck. Okay, I want to talk about Stardew Valley. Have you even booted it up? Have you played it a bit? No, unfortunately, um, I. I had saved it for the flight back, and unfortunately, I was just too tired. Okay, well, I bought the game, and right after I finished Golf Story, that's one of the first things I did when I, was, I started Stardew Valley. And I still go to Golf Story here and there, but Stardew Valley, I knew I didn't know much about it. I knew it was very successful. I knew it was kind of like a Harvest Moon type of game. That's about all I knew. And... I played it for the first hour or two. I'd say that I thought it wasn't for me. I thought like I would probably stop playing it, and I was glad I gave it a chance, but it just wasn't clicking. And now I'm like 15 hours in, and I just can't stop playing. Every minute I get, that's all I do. And I told you before that this was a game that seemed meant for me, because I love games like Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon I used to play a lot back in the day. 
even more recently ever oasis on the 2ds which like everybody's sleeping on that game like will be in my top 10 of the year like I like these type of games, like uh, farming and uh, farming like plants, animals, and resources and stuff like that. With simulation, with relationships to other uh, town folks, like Animal Crossing. Basically, when Animal Crossing gets released on the Switch, like say goodbye to uh, me. You won't see me again for a while. Like <laughs> I, I love those games. And Stardew Valley, man, oh my god, that game is amazing. Like and I'm afraid you won't give it the proper chance because, like I said, you need to invest in this game before you you, you start to seek the rewards. Like I'd say, you probably need to give it like three or four hours before it starts not getting fun, but it's it starts you start to get it because this is a game that really relies on money. You need to make money in order to be able to buy new stuff and do uh, activities or whatnot. And you don't really make that much money in the beginning because you don't have uh, you don't have what you need. You don't have like uh, animals or a place to put the animals in there. So the amount of money you make in the beginning is limited. But if you keep at it, man, this game gets addicting. There's so much stuff in this game; it's crazy. Like there's farming. There's uh, like farming animals, like all kinds of animals, like ducks, uh, chickens, cows, uh, pigs, uh, whatever you name it, even dinosaurs, if you believe it. But there's also the agriculture part where you can plant stuff. Uh, there's cutting, like you need to go and cut trees or harvest harvest stones. There's a fishing mini game that's awesome. Well, mini game. There's a, a fishing aspect to the game that's awesome. There's a collecting aspect to the game that's awesome. There's even dungeon crawlings with monsters that you need to fight and whatnot. And there's also it's also a dating simulator where you need you can try to uh, court courtway court court, uh, yeah, court a male or female to marry and then have children. So there's so much in this game that I probably will not ever see like even half of it. It's incredible. And I want to say this, and I don't say these things lightly, but if you've played Stardew Valley on another system and you like the game and you like it a lot, buy a Switch. It's worth buying a Switch just for that game because being able to play that game on the go is a game changer. And I think that if you're a fan of Stardew Valley, you should run out and buy a Switch if you haven't already because that game is so amazing, man. I can't believe it. And I can't wait for you to try it, and hopefully you give it a chance, because I know you that you enjoyed Animal Crossing. This is a, a lot more in-depth than Animal Crossing. There's a lot more uh, micromanagement you need to do, but still, like, it's so worth it, and the visuals are awesome. This, I love the the art style that's coming back, the super NES on drug art style, like you would call it, that's coming back. Like, I love it. Yeah, me too, man. It's It's... Like, the SNES really is probably my favorite system of all time. I've always debated between that and the NES. Um, but now that I'm playing, like, the uh, the SNES Classic, like, I'm really leaning towards, you know, I, I think this probably is my favorite system because, like, the animations and stuff are just absolutely stunning. And, and 
I, I have uh, Stardew Valley already downloaded. It was all good to go. I was just willing, uh, waiting rather, to play it on on the way back. And I heard the same thing uh, from the limited amount of research that I did that it, it is a little intimidating, and that you do have to um, you have to give it a chance before it like sinks its claws into you. I'm just really concerned right now because. I, I made a promise to myself, and I've been really good. If you look at the the, the games that I, I've I, I have this year, it's like every year it's getting better and better and better. Um, with like what I'm purchasing, I'm purchasing less and less and less every year, and um, I'm just I'm concerned because like I still have to go through Dragon Quest Eleven. I've got to finish that, and I'm really looking forward to the new Mario, which hits like what next week or something like that. Yep. And I'm just concerned that I'm going to get into this situation where I won't be able to play the game, and that's going to be very annoying. Well, I get you on that, but it's just like for me, I don't even think I'll stop playing uh, Stardew for Mario. Like I, I might give Mario a chance, maybe it'll hook me, but I'm not that big of a 3D Mario guy. Mm-hmm. But Stardew Valley, it's just man, like I, I don't, I don't see, I don't know what's going to happen with that game because uh, it's it, it it got hit, it got its uh, hooks on me right now. So we'll see, but it's just an incredible game, incredible game. Like anybody listening to this show should give it a try. Again, not expensive, and it offers so much. Like I, I, I don't know when I started this. I think I started this on Monday. Or Tuesday, and I'm already like 15 hours in. Like it's incredible. Oh, wow. We're Friday right now for those listening to this show. So yeah, uh, and anything you want to ask or your your? No, no, no. I, I I've done like a lot of research on it, so I know what it's all about. I'm just looking forward to actually um, like checking it out. You know. Well, hopefully by the next time we do a fanboys. you'll have played it, so we'll have a bit more discussion to do about that game. But uh, yeah, really, really awesome. Really looking forward to our next few shows because we have our Canadian Gamers Game of the Year show, which is coming up, which is always my favorite episode to do every year. And I also want to do a year in review of the Switch for our next fanboy and also a prediction for 2018 for Nintendo in another show. So can't wait to do those uh, more episodes of the, the podcast eventually. And like always, we end this with the blast from the past. But today I'm not going to talk much about it because since we've decided that the last episode will actually be released like i will tell you guys to go listen to that episode eventually which has a blast from the past which is pokemon gold and silver which i've played the heck out since it's released on the 3ds virtual console and i'm actually quite curious because this is a game that i think i might actually have picked before for blasts Probably. from the past. So you, yeah. you need to do the master list. We, <laughs> every every podcast we say we should do it and then we don't. So you have a good fast computer. You should quickly check out the last few minutes of our Fanboys podcast to write down a master list, damn it. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you probably have done that in the past. And, and knowing me, I, I'm going to pick like a link to the past. I don't think I've ever picked that. I'm going to because it is a blast from the past. But damn you. All right. Uh, all right. So like go and silver, go check out the last episode if you want to hear more. Actually, I think I talk about it for like five, six minutes in it, if not more. So go ahead. Finish this bad boy off. Alrighty, as you all know, our podcasts give every second Sunday on uh, here on uh, YouTube, but they're also made available as soon as they're ready 
via any of the uh, popular uh, streaming services like iTunes and stuff like that for podcast, uh, well, I should say podcast services. And outside that, uh, I want to say it's good to be back home. It's great to have Stephen uh, participating here on a more regular basis. And uh, and let us know. Uh, we we had some very interesting discussions today, and I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be very important that you guys uh, give us some feedback, leave some comments, particularly about some of the big items like the Patreon stuff and and what you think about. Uh, you know, moving forward with DLC and stuff like that, because I think it's uh, it's going to help shape not only the future of potentially this channel, but also of the whole industry to see what you guys think uh, is coming down the pipe. All right, everybody, we will catch you all in two weeks. Thanks for joining and take care.